Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Passing Shot. French Open in September switch, Labour Cup stands firm in clash, whilst Wimbledon is still set to go ahead. And welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans, for fans, with your host, Joel and Kim. Today on the show, we're going to be bringing you up to speed on all the latest developments of the coronavirus hit tennis season, including the French Open's controversial date change, the ATP and WTA's movement to a collective approach to decision making, and how players are keeping up on their training routines in home. Kim, I find this all very surreal. It could have been Indian Wells men's finals day. We could have been previewing the Miami Open. We could have been, who knows, maybe looking forward to Andy Murray getting back onto a a tennis court. But unfortunately, sadly, all that is on hold seemingly indefinitely uh are you are you in high spirits not at all joel um (laughs) i mean i've i've just it just keeps going from bad to worse doesn't it um there is just i mean it's all out of our control we can't really do anything we just have to sort of hope for the best and i mean there are things we can do you know we can follow advice and and stay inside um of course but yeah I, i would give anything right now just to have tennis um isna apelka like whoever it is, <laughs> I will I will accept uh, you know the, the crappiest final in tennis history if it means we have <laughs> live sport again. Uh, you know, right? <laughs> I find it quite funny actually because even though we have no live tennis to kind of talk over, there still seems uh, there almost seems to be actually more tennis news to to actually uh, to actually catch up on because you know we've still had a lot of information come at us from the tennis world. Uh, some some more surprising than others and obviously we'll we'll get on to that um let's just give our listeners and ourselves actually a bit of the of the lay of the landscape at the moment the tours are off indefinitely i think officially at the moment they've been um suspended to the 7th of june which has basically ruled out all clay court tennis so we've had all the tournaments in madrid rome strasbourg rabat munich estoril geneva leon all wiped from the the calendar Ranking points have been frozen as well, so yeah, we've got no got no, got no live tennis to kind of to look forward to. But when this was kind of announced, I think kind of you know the big the big talking point, the most interesting part of the state the announcement was the fact that the ATP and WTA 
said now is a is not a time to act unilaterally kim but in unison yeah so i mean they they said <laughs> i'll read out what they said and but i'll see if our listeners can notice what's missing so all de- all decisions related to the impact of the coronavirus require appropriate consultation and review with the stakeholders in the game a view that is shared by atp wta itf the aeltc tennis australia and the usta so joel what's missing from that announcement mm. I I think the, <laughs> is it I think maybe the French Tennis Federation are missing. I I you know I have no idea why why that is the case though. I know could it have been because they went completely rogue and just rescheduled their tournament at the drop of a hat without telling anyone or consulting anyone involved in the tournament um which has got to be a might have something to do with it I think. Yeah, I mean what a bold move. I mean understand that they obviously want their tournament to happen at some point and it obviously wasn't going to really happen, you know, seeing it's the, it's the next Grand Slam, you know, in the calendar. Um, but the decision they took was just so, so rash. And they've moved it to the most awkward position, arguably, in the calendar, um, you know, just after the US Open. I think there's about six days in between the end of the US Open and the start of the French Open. I mean, this is all hypothetical. Obviously, none of this may happen. Um, and from what I've read from some circles, it's unlikely that we'll probably have any tennis for the rest of the year. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that's not the case, obviously. But um, all of the kind of ramifications, like, oh, who's going to play what? You know, what's going to happen? Like, there might be null and void because they might just wipe everything. Um, let's let's just say, hypothetically, that it does... Let's say the French Open will go ahead uh in september i think the dates they have said at the moment it will take place is september 20th to the 4th of october first of all clay clay court tennis at that time that's not going to be fun is it yeah it's gonna be very cold i mean even when roland garros is on you know end of may beginning of june they can have some terrible weather and uh, they've got the roof now so to be fair they do have the roof um (laughs) <laughs> but also there wouldn't be any clay court tournaments in in advance so people would be coming in like fresh off the hard courts uh without any practice unless they chose to focus just on the clay and took themselves off to some like challenger events or futures that because i think those sorts of things they could probably arrange you know in advance kind of closer to the time to kind of set them up for like practice i i, I don't know i think they're easier to kind of just put on um at shorter notice but it's just yeah i mean what do you do for example if you're if you're rafa you know he's defending the us open defending the french open this year does he just play both and hope he can defend both does he pick one over the other i mean it's just the strangest sort of decision um and obviously we've never seen this happen before but it's it's uh, just, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, would that be the most remarkable achievement if someone won both of those like back to back? I know we've talked a lot about someone winning, you know, French Open and then Wimbledon, but obviously there's still a gap of several weeks between those two. But that, And that's obviously not been done an awful lot. So this really would be some feat if it was achieved. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think it's, you know, it's almost at the moment, the that, that part of the calendar is almost like a, back-to-back grand slams you know we've we've got the sunshine double uh you know with indian wells and miami and it's almost like you've got the well i, I liked i coined it on twitter actually earlier in the week the 
the Flushing Garros uh, <laughs> or double. the Roland Meadows <laughs> or the Roland Meadows I love it um, oh. and I mean it's certainly that that would be a challenge for I mean for a lot of players especially for someone like Nadal who you know is the defending champion in, in both of them both of both events would be you know take an enormous toll you know on the body and you know we've seen you know the big three, you know, their approach kind of to the season is to take kind of a strip back approach, pick and choose events. And it does, you know, I think it does bring up the question of, you know, if that does go ahead and you have back to back grand slams, is it possible to do both or would you have to, or would you have to be really ruthless and just say, right, I'm going to do one or the other. And you think that potentially for Nadal, I, you know, I would just focus on, you know, on the French Open as much as it would pain me to say, given I'm defending US Open champion. But yeah, it feels like you just kind of focus on on one. Mm, I mean, he would be going for history again at the French Open, like going for his 13th title. And it would be great if he could win it at a different time of the year, like when the conditions are maybe different, because that would just, I guess, ultimately prove that, hey, I am totally the king of clay. Any time of the year, I will be there at the top. Um, so you'd have to think he would go for the French over the US. But I mean, another thing is that, yeah, depending on when or if the season comes back, like players will have had a long spell of time, you know, not in competition. So they might all be much fresher and healthier and injury free. So it might not matter so much in terms of the toll on their bodies as if this has happened, you know, at the end of a normal season. Not that we would see this kind of contrast normally, but I don't know, it might be sort of the impact might be lessened somewhat uh, because of that. But I mean, also, we haven't mentioned that it also clashes with the Labour Cup, which is technically an exhibition, right? It's not like a proper event, but basically all the top names, you know, have signed up and committed to playing it and all the tickets have been sold. (laughs) And it's sold Um, out. (laughs) Yeah, and it's sold out. It's being held in Boston, which is, I guess, a logical place for it to you know for them to go after the US Open you know play a nice you know exhibition team Europe team world uh you know lovely but <laughs> what what I mean players aren't surely going to pick that over the French Open you know but it's awkward Roger Federer has not really played the French Open a lot over the last you know five years or so I think he's only played it once in the last four editions or something um and he obviously backs the Labour Cup, he's put his name to it. So, you know, if 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 in my head, you know, if Nadal picks French Open and doesn't pick US Open, I could I could conceivably see someone like Federer who's put his name to the Labour Cup pick uh pick that instead of the French Open, which he hasn't played in the past, and just kind of focus on on the US Open. Um I mean I'm not gonna say a lot of people would be in that position. And I think genuinely the stance you have to take on it is, you know, do I want to play an exhibition or do I want to play in a Grand Slam? And I think for most people, obviously, Grand Slam, the prestigiousness of that trumps playing in an exhibition. However, let's just say, for example, this is being held in Boston in the United States. You're an American, say someone like John Isner, who I don't think John Isner has a great record on at the French Open or the clay court. I can play at home in front of, you know, 20,000 American fans, you know, screaming my name or whatever. Is that a more, um, is that a more um, ideal situation? Would you, would you prefer that to being in a Grand Slam? Yeah, I think for Federer, like, 
I would expect him, yeah, to to miss the French because he he was going to miss the French anyway this year. As you said, he's not really played the clay season the last couple of years. So, and he he is a lot more invested in the Labour Cup. So I think for him, that would be a logical and expected path for him to take. Whereas I think Rafa would, you know, I would be very much surprised if he chose to play the Labour Cup over the French Open. However, you know, a lot of players were very unhappy with the French Tennis Federation just suddenly announcing this this move without consulting them. You know, I know Vasek Pospisil, who we know is quite outspoken and active, uh, you know, he is a member of the, the player council, but he just said, you know, this is insane. You know, it's just totally a selfish decision by the FFT. So there might be a case for some of the players boycotting the French Open um, in in you know in response to this this move and if so i mean i don't know if it would just be like a handful of players or if it could be quite organized and you know if everyone i don't, I don't know it's just it, it could happen it could be a situation it doesn't sound out of the realms of possibility because this this decision caught everyone off guard it caught all the organizers off guard it caught the players off guard and and i think a worrying trend actually we've seen this season particularly with kind of breaking news is that Players have been finding out this information on social media and not even been, you know, they're finding out at the same time as the fans and really they should be being consulted on these things, uh, you know, way in advance of that. And, you know, it does feel like it could potentially reach boiling point um, with something like this, you know, something as you know of this magnitude. Um, yeah, it, it could lead players, I think, to kind of be a bit like, well, hang on, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not, um, you know, you're not, keeping us informed you need to keep us informed and if you don't yeah i might have to might have to take an action and you know i guess at the moment i guess you know if if there was like a players union maybe there would be in a strengthened position to to do to do something like that um also i think think just one thing that will happen as a result of of this you know it's quite a big example isn't it of, of that like what we're talking about, them not being consulted on these like higher level decisions being made that affects, you know, all the players, like whether you're number one or number 120. Um, I think there needs to be, yeah, like much more collaboration between all the stakeholders in tennis, like and all the the different tours as well, ATP and WTA, uh, all the Grand Slams working together, ITF. And I think actually that maybe that's one good thing that will come out of this kind of very strange hiatus that we're on is that there will be in improved decision making uh and collaboration between between the different tours um that that could be something that is positive that comes out of this um because they need to work together to kind of plan and, and decide what's going to happen you know for the rest of the season if anything's going to happen so got to think of the positives silver linings yeah, I do wonder if like the coronavirus is almost, dare I say, ushering in a new era of decision making and collaboration between the the kind of the top governing bodies. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, I think a challenge for the tours over the last, you know, a number of years or so has, has been, you know, them all kind of out for themselves. And we've kind of seen this manifest, particularly with kind of team events and, and team tennis with, you know, the formation of the ATP Cup. Uh, you know, the Davis Cup changing formats and, and changing hands. Um, and then also the extinction of the Hotman Cup. You know, it, it feels like, it, you know, there are examples out there of, you know, how these bodies have, you know, acted in their 
own interests. Uh, but it's good to kind of see, yeah, like this almost kind of more holistic approach to the tour and to the tennis and kind of making sure that, you know, whatever the decisions are made that are made, they're made all, t- you know, they're made as one, as a group. Um, I think, you know, obviously at some point they're going to have to get the French tennis, Fe- tennis federation back on, back into the, you know, into the inner circle or whatever. But, um, you know, I, th- I think it might, yeah, as you said, it might be an opportunity, you know, to see kind of, you know, increased collaboration and ultimately, you know, almost readdress many of the tour's shortcomings um, and, you know, enhance it because, um, you know, you've got this opportunity with the, you know, increased increased collaboration. Also, like, obviously, at the moment, players are, are not able to compete. Uh, some players are in countries where there is a complete lockdown. So I don't know if unless they're wealthier players, let's say, and who would have a home gym or, you know, a, a training facility in their back garden. I don't know if they're even able to kind of get out and properly train. I'm not sure. Um, this is like, you know, another off season, like a, a real rest period where they can hopefully recuperate from injuries that have been niggling for a long time. And, you know, when tennis does start up again, it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out fittest and the strongest, you know, after all this time off and who might be a bit sluggish and who's used this time, you know, as wisely as they can and who does it benefit the most. Um, it's going to be really interesting um, to see how they all respond to that. Um, but it's also, you know, makes a, if we see sort of everyone like really top, top notch, like complete fitness, like it's obviously going to add to the argument that there really should be a longer off season generally. Like the off season that they have is so short and most of it's just prepping for the start of the next season. It's not really a proper kind of break, is it? And so maybe this will put more weight to the argument for having a, a longer off season. Um, that you know other sports have I don't know uh we'll see but also I was thinking some players are going to benefit more aren't they you know so for example Joe Conta she's been having this knee injury so maybe this will give her time to actually get rid of that once and for all Andreescu another player you know she's still very young so having this kind of hiatus right now isn't isn't probably so crucial to her career but it's going to allow her to hopefully get on top of all her like injuries but for example Federer like his big thing was to play the Olympics this year to try and finally win that singles gold but if if that's yeah we haven't even mentioned the Olympics like that might not even happen and he's getting on a bit like he's going to be what 39 this year so if the Olympics is he's not going to wait around for another four years yeah like if the Olympics is postponed till like 2021 he'll be 40 basically and yeah okay he's not compete like no one's able to play at the moment but how how much longer will he really be able to to carry on? So, oh, it's just and and players also like like Kim Kleisters as well, who announced the comeback. Played has played two matches, and uh, you know she had to obviously delay it because of injury, and now she's had to delay it again because of you know this situation. It just feels a bit oh, it's a bit like of a feels like a bit of a doomed comeback, unfortunately. But um, you know, I hope it doesn't. I hope you know. I think I think what this situation kind of has shown us is that the longer it goes on, the more I feel like we're going. It's almost going to be a, like a global reset, you know, not just in tennis, but kind of just across all sports and maybe maybe in society. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, you know, in in tennis, I think you know the players are 
are going to start from you know from zero the organizers are almost going to start from zero um and the, the federations as well and i think i think it's looking at that in a in a positive way and kind of looking at in, in a way that yes yes we may be starting from scratch but actually that enables us to kind of look at things you know laterally kind of across the whole board and and see you know what we can do uh you know and improve make improvements and make enhancements so you know i still think there's kind of opportunity here to kind of address almost kind of structural things that would never you know you'd never thought be able to change well actually this might be the once you know in a decade moment to to do it but um you know it, it remains to be seen and i kind of think at the moment we're all just trying to figure out you know if the tennis season is you know plain and simply going to come back uh at the moment it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it is but but wimbledon wimbledon are pressing forward um they have not cancelled as of yet um i feel like actually kim in the uk they're probably the biggest probably the biggest event that is at the moment still taking place yeah because they have cancelled like glastonbury um Gosh, I can't think of any other events, but, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to think of things that would normally happen in June. Yeah, like I was Premier thinking, League's like, obviously more been cancelled. And... Yeah, I mean, Eurovision was cancelled, Joel. I know, huge. I know. And I had tickets loss. to go to that for the first time. So that's just, like, and this year is going to be, you know, Eurovision, USA. I was going to do my bucket list, but not to be, not to be. Um, yeah, they've they've closed. So the All England Lord Tennis Club have closed, like, their museum and, like, the shop and the tours they normally do but they're still i guess working on on the championships um i think they'll have, have to come to some sort of decision fairly soon because i mean i just think it's not really feasible unless they they push it back they delay it i don't know how that would affect things like i don't know like the, the grass for example you know we spoke to to will didn't we um senior groundsman of the of of wimbledon and like everything is you know just purely timed around the tournament happening on those set two weeks so by changing it to another time of the year like how does that impact on on that sort of thing if they do play it in say august for example it might play completely differently so i mean i just would love to see some balls being hit somewhere in the world um sometime this year (laughs) if wimbledon did get played in august let's say it did like but then it went back to normal next year like the shrinking down of time between august and then i don't know getting it ready for end of june start of july next year i mean it feels like ah uh, for me it feels like if it doesn't happen in those two weeks i just yeah it's just it's going to really be cancelled isn't it and and then rescheduled i think but it's just, uh, it's just, I mean, I can't, it's, we're, we're in like a totally new territory, aren't we? And yeah, it's, we, we will do our best to bring any updates to listeners on uh, the passing shot. Um, Cause we're still going to like try and put our stuff out there, aren't we, Joel? We're still going to do stuff. We're going to do some different episodes, I think, in the next kind of coming weeks. So we've got we've got some tricks up our sleeves so uh we will be we will be continuing uh with the passing shot um even in spite of there being no live tennis but um yeah we will um we'll be back in a in a sec um to discuss a bit more some lighthearted things about what players are doing to to keep themselves busy So Joel um obviously social media has become very kind of 
critical at a moment like this when everyone's staying at home and distancing themselves and isolating. So a lot of the tennis players have been putting out what they've been doing. I've noticed that a lot of them are doing um, sort of, I don't know if this is the right term to use, like kicky uppy with toilet rolls in their house um, <laughs> and seeing how long they can do it for. Um, which, you know, that's a bit like kicking gold dust around right now because toilet rolls are very hard to come by in the shops. 100%. I see. I noticed Simona Halep uh, on her social media was was doing this. I feel like if I tried it, I'd be terrible at it. But I might, I might give it a go and put it on our Instagram just to... S- give our listeners an idea of just how terrible, terrible my my football <laughs> skills are but uh... just as terrible as our predictions <laughs> but i think joel you're more of a hockey player yourself aren't you rather than yes football, so i am we might yeah. forgive you for that um stan <laughs> the man has been having uh, a lot of fun with cheese fondues and also stuffed animals because he posted a lovely photo of himself settling down to dinner with a large i think it was a polar bear uh, sitting opposite him and he seems to have a penchant for um stuffed animals because didn't he send one to andy murray after his operation like a massive bear was that oh, him? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah he sent yeah, something didn't he yeah so yeah yeah is he in isolation just uh yeah surrounding himself with uh with stuffed, large with animal creatures animals. exactly yeah. which that <laughs> gets my vote because i i love i love stuffed toys um yeah, and Stefano Sitsabas, perhaps somewhat controversial. He's been travelling around. I think he was in New York and then he was in London. Uh, people were having a go at him saying, like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be, like, only travelling if it's completely essential. Um, and I don't know really what his defence was, uh, but maybe he'll he'll finally see the light and stay at home mm. uh, from, I, from now on. <laughs> I also noticed... Um, British, so British tennis, I've sent uh, electric bikes to their performance players uh, to keep them, I guess, well, keep keep them fit, keep them healthy. Those who can't, I don't know, afford, you know, gym equipment in the in their house, they've sent them, uh, yeah, equipment to keep them fit and keep them healthy whilst kind of stuck inside. So I quite liked that initiative, and I think you know we've seen the ways people are getting creative, but uh, you know, it's quite clear that you know there are there are going to be ways that you're going to need to keep fit and and british tennis are, are helping some of their players players like i've seen jack draper and, and paul jubb as well get a really nice electric bike for them to kind of put in the put in the the wattage put in the the miles on yeah exactly that's such a good initiative because essentially you can do stuff a lot at home you just need to have the equipment and like the weights or you know, I mean, there's so many like fitness people that are doing like live workouts, you know, on YouTube. Like there's a lot of great stuff out there that people are doing, which is really good and, you know, generous. And um, like, we'll just get to the point where we're doing like yoga, like all day, <laughs> like 10 videos a day. We, we'll be running out of videos to do. There'll be so much exactly. out there. Um, exactly. I liked what Novak had to say. I think he is kind of in line with my like frame of mind. Um he said, this is the time for all of us to get together and unite. Let's really try to spend quality time with our family at home. Enjoy the little things in life. Let's try to laugh, love and dedicate time to inner work. Pray, meditate, eat healthy, play music, sing, dance, read, write, work out, sleep well, train our brains to think good thoughts. This is a great opportunity to do that. So he's being very positive and encouraging and um yeah i think that's what we we have to do what we can do at home um but i was thinking actually tennis players could they do like a virtual um 
virtual kind of grand slam or something because i know in formula one the there is a i think a plan where drivers are gonna go to like the i don't know f1 simulator and do kind of like a a virtual race and i think there are actually plans to broadcast that i don't know how feasible this is going to be but maybe they could do something along those lines i don't know um just a thought gonna throw out there interesting so you'd have like a rather than like you'd have a virtual grand slam on like an xbox or a playstation well, I don't know. yeah they do have tennis games don't they i've never really i guess it's not quite the same like an f1 simulator is a bit more who, would, who do you think would driving. win I, I can't imagine i can't imagine Nadal or federer being very good you don't think so i mean rafa used to play i think he used to play uh like playstation a lot but i think they always used to play like football i think him and a lot of the spanish players used to like i play think that. andy murray was a big call of duty fan as well i i think i'd go for someone like monfils oh, okay i feel like monfils would be quite mm. good it might be someone yeah with, you don't expect it's actually like a whiz kid <laughs> on technology but yeah listeners who do you think would win a virtual tennis tournament so, Joel, another thing that I keep seeing on, on being banded around on Twitter um, is what player would you want to be stuck with in in quarantine or in isolation with if if you had to be? Who would you pick and why? I thought that was quite a good question because there's quite a lot of players that I could see myself putting up with and others that I couldn't. <laughs> I think I would go for someone, uh, maybe a bit rogue. I'm going to go for someone like Benoit Paire. Oh, okay. Uh, What's that? His be, hair? I just think, yeah, his hair. I'll get some hair tips. I'll get some beard tips. Uh, I also <laughs> think he's just a fun... Actually, he'd be a fun guy to, to hang around with. And he'd, he's always... He'll always have something to be keeping him busy. And I think he'd be a great... I, I can see him being quite fun to like play like video games with. Um, potentially, like, FIFA be my FIFA partner on Xbox. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go... Yeah, Benoit, Benoit Pair. Uh, Who, what about you? Uh, well, I would say Rafa, obviously, because, you know, it's my fave. But I think in terms of what, he, you know, his interests are quite different to mine. So I think I probably would say Novak just because, you know, his plan, his plans for quarantine, you know, dancing, meditating, working out like reading listening to the passing shot yeah yeah, he listens to the passing shot of course <laughs> um so i think i think we just have more kind of in common like we'd be able to like do some yoga together etc so i think i'd have to go with with novak yeah but uh <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> let us know listeners who would you want to be stuck with um and actually listeners what are you doing to cope without without all the tennis i mean and it's obviously an incredibly difficult time for for so many people and being stuck at home and not having sport on isn't exactly the worst thing you know that could could be happening I suppose um but if we were just trying to think of things Joel weren't we like to kind of keep tennis in our lives uh apart from listening you know to the back catalogue of the passing shot uh for example but I mean what what were you thinking Joel uh just I mean could watch you know watch past matches watch kind of epic matches on online or i mean i've got some dvds of of like, wimbledon finals <laughs> and uh I've, I've got dvds of i've got i've I, got match programs kim i'm oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna set, i could set up a tennis book club uh <laughs> with reading past wimbledon programs that i i i uh picked up whilst uh whilst uh whilst growing up uh yeah, yeah. i've got, I've got a back, old, complete back catalogue 
old ticket stubs. Uh, I mean, I've got a DVD. I'm just looking at my bookshelf. Uh, I've got a DVD called Rafa's Golden Year 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love I've it. also got uh, Rafa against Vadasco, Australian Open 2009. I've got. Oh, that was a I've great match. I've got loads of like, just, you know, classic Rafa matches. Match. So I might work my way through them. Um, I, also... I might watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, what you can say? <laughs> well, I was actually on Netflix yesterday just to see if there are any tennis films on. And to it actually quite it saddened me to learn that I don't think Wimbledon, the film, is on Netflix. Ah, oh, which that's is such a big a great shame. Film. I love I that know. film. It's, actually, it's so no corny, key. I think but... it's quite a good film. I think it's actually pretty okay for a rom com. Um, for a rom-com, yes, but not it's not at all accurate for like the world of tennis. No, they, they, they go no, off to like, have fish and chips the day before the Wimbledon final yeah, yeah. and stay up like all night. It's just like bad hey, Nick Kyrgios should do that. Nick Kyrgios yeah, should do that. Yeah, to be fair. And actually, maybe you should watch like Nick Kyrgios's most controversial moments on, on YouTube. I'm sure someone's created a compilation for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we could try and play some tennis, but that would be quite difficult. Um because, well, unless you're isolating with other people in your house, it's not yeah, ideal. I've, I've noticed. I've noticed some people like try and make like makeshift tennis courts like in their kitchen or in their living room. Um, the LTA, the British Tennis, have given some guidance on if you do go out and, and play tennis. And I know a few people are, and I'll just kind of reiterate what they're kind of saying. And they're, they're saying, you know, clean and wipe down your equipment, including rackets, water bottles, uh, benches, if you use them. Do not share rackets. Um, and for tennis balls, consider using new balls where possible. Um, if yeah, if you go onto the LTA website, I think they've got some advice on there. If you genuinely are thinking about playing tennis um, outdoors, um, for our listeners in the UK, um, but yeah, I I don't know. I feel like oh yeah, I'm I'm almost battered. I've battened down the hatches pretty much. I feel like I'm gonna all the tennis I'm gonna be doing is probably watching it on <laughs> watching it on YouTube. Yeah, or I used to play badminton over like the washing line in my garden, so maybe could do something along along that along those lines. Or swing ball. Did anyone have a swing ball? Oh, set? swing ball! Because then you can yes. play with yourself. Oh my god! <laughs> right, Kim. Once this is over, I'm going to challenge you to a game of swing ball. Okay. <laughs> big, oh. big rivalry. Going to forge a rivalry swing in swing ball. ball swing ball uh, passing shot championships um yeah i i've also in my wardrobe i've got a big box of like souvenirs and a lot of them will probably be like things that i've randomly picked up at tennis like autographs or i have like a pot of clay um from the monte carlo like center court that i i like you picked, have some you have some weird memorabilia you have some weird memorabilia but i tell you what happened like it was after the final and it was rafa won that year and um they just let people like it was maybe like an hour later and the court was just like open without any security or or anything so a couple of us just like went onto the court and we were like you know getting a photo in like the umpire's chair and I wrote like on the court like Rafa uh something like champion or something like I marked it out in the clay and then I just picked up some clay and put it in a pot so I, I don't think that was allowed but you know what are they gonna do about it now that was eight years ago so um you might have to I might have to get some of these uh, these memorabilia uh, items up on our on our Instagram yeah, feed. Yeah, should actually. Uh, but one one last uh, one last thing that uh, 
we 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 think would be really good and actually some tennis a, a tennis player uh is getting involved in is making is making cakes baking cakes and kim very exciting because i think on tuesday joe conta is going to be on great british bake-off uh in a special yes um, in the uk and uh, I'm I am excited to see how she gets on. How do you think she's going to get on? Is she going to do a tennis theme signature dish, signature cake? I, f- I feel like she's going to have to. That'd be great. I mean, could just make like little cupcakes with I don't know tennis balls on, or like a, could you make a cake in the shape of a ball or a racket? Like there's there's actually quite a lot of tennis themed kind of food that you could that you could do. But I mean, the issue right now is getting like things in the supermarket because everyone's just going crazy and panic buying so there are actually no eggs in in any supermarkets around where i live uh so yeah i, I think they've pre-recorded the bake-off though so i'm sure they won't be affected uh but yeah she's on this week so i'm going to look forward to tuning in to to watch joe gone to do that and uh yeah i mean joel we, we've we've got um i don't know something lined up for next week i think we're doing a quiz yes what we're gonna be bringing, we are going to be bringing <laughs> we're going to be bringing forward our patented passing shot quiz uh i've i've named it the season so far quiz but it might as well be the end of season quiz mm. uh so listeners look out for that we uh will be publishing that uh next week we might do it in two parts we'll see um go back and revisit our end of season quiz from last time to check out the format um i'm really looking forward to to doing that one because i've got some got some juicy questions lined up for kim already uh so i hope you can join us for that then um in the meantime of course uh follow us on social media on facebook instagram and twitter at passing shot pod if you want to email the show as well you can do so passingshotpod at gmail.com and remember if you've been enjoying listening to the show remember to subscribe to us um, on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to us make sure you subscribe it really means the world to us and if you're listening to us on apple um, if you could give us a review and a comment that would be really handy too Uh, but for now uh, i think that's the end of this episode i hope you've enjoyed listening to us Um, we're gonna gonna go i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna go back and watch some more youtube videos kim um i'm going to skype my friends who i haven't seen in (laughs) a very long time and i don't know when i'll next see them so um yeah thanks for listening everyone stay safe and uh we'll speak to you soon hopefully and uh yeah i mean it's just a very difficult situation isn't it for the whole world right now it's it's so surreal um so we will but you do can our always count to... on the passing shot well let's hope so touch wood um but yeah thanks for listening and goodbye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.